If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's time for another episode of View from a Military Mind for 24 March 2020. Views and opinions about world and national events from the minds of the men and women that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 244 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and definitely not PC. If you're ready, let's move out. We have a guest with us on the show today, Kyle Riley, U.S. Army veteran and former military policeman. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you, sir. Are you ready for today's show? Yes, sir. Good deal. We've got a lot to talk about today. On today's show, we'll look at the effects the coronavirus has and will have on our nation and its military. We'll debunk the rumors out there about martial law and the increased activation of the Army and Air National Guard. We'll discuss the Posse Comitatus Act and its and how its current iteration affects military assistance to the states and communities. Our unit of the day is actually a naval vessel that is near and dear to our U.S. veterans' hearts. Let's see who remembers the Battle Cat. And of course, this day in history is researched by our in-house historian, C.A. We'll get started right after the break. PodNews.net is a short newsletter every weekday with everything you need to know about podcasting and on demand. You can subscribe free at PodNews.net for new podcast launches, company changes, stats and no waffle. In fact, PodNews.net is so waffle free it's really short, just like this promo. All right, welcome back. Uh, we'll start off our first segment. We're going to get into the national effects of the coronavirus, uh, how it affects what's going on and the effects or impact of the coronavirus will be wide-reaching from economic, societal, travel, even national security, with the breadth of the spread not fully known nor predictable. Um, the actual depth of the impact may not be known for some time, possibly not until the next year. 
Um, I know, Kyle, you've traveled around a lot here in the past couple of months or so. I even went out as far as to San Francisco. Uh, what kind of uh, impacts do you see out there? That was the early onset of the coronavirus. We're just finding out about it in China. What, what did you f- see out there? I mean, really, it's it, people are just going crazy. You know, they're it's it's weird. I, the people where I was living before, um, you know, they were really kind. They were really, you know, they really took care of the elderly. But now, say I went to Walmart, and people are just running everywhere and freaking out because somebody else touched their cart or something like that. And, you know, it it's just crazy. Just all about number one and not worrying about exactly. uh, their fellow man and exactly. trying to take care of each other. Uh, and, and we've seen that get worse as we've gone along. Uh, we've had the, the sudden run out of toilet paper and um, paper towels and handy wipes and uh, your different things are used to sanitize, even the uh, uh, little bottled uh, antibacterial stuff it's i agree with you wholeheartedly it's crazy and answer me this question out there someone please what in the name of god are you going to do with 50 rolls of toilet paper i don't poop that much i don't know i don't know whether you do or not but i I don't see where i can use this uh the average um actually i think because uh, i think somebody came out and said that some of the toilet papers came from china so they wanted to grab some certain brands of of toilet paper and and hoard that just in case another toilet paper came through yeah and and that's one of the the myths that's out there about this coronavirus they're talking about it you know products coming from china and or in the asiatic countries that is the biggest bs that's ever been put out there this only lasts for a certain number of days and it takes weeks if not a month to ship this stuff from uh, china or japan or uh, taiwan or hong kong wherever it may come from uh, it takes weeks for us to get here. So that stuff's going to die. Um, if you're ever in the hold of one of these ships or one of these containers, we're not going to last long. So it, it, a virus is damn sure not going to last that long either. It would have to be contained in a very special environment in order for it to, to arrive. It'd be something else by the time it got here. So, yeah, that, I heard that same rumor. And I heard people throwing away this stuff. It's like, are you nuts? You're hoarding everything else, but you're going to throw this away, or you're going no. It, it, it's crazy. Um, it, I was looking through as I was research, researching some of this, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on March 16th stated on their website that they do not see any evidence that this virus will cause a recession. However, it will have significant implications for businesses nationwide. The impact economically is already being realized with businesses being told to close their doors, lay workers off, and cease certain operations. When workers are laid off, the second and third order effect comes into play. And since you came here uh, to Alabama, uh, you we've talked about it, and we've seen some of the second and third order effects that's come into it. Absolutely. Uh, you being a prime example, uh, your work there where you were at before is no longer there. Now you have to come here, and there's just not availability of it. Um if I may, uh, my former employer, uh, I'm still good friends with all of them. You know, they're, it, it wasn't anything bad or anything like that. But, mm. you know, she she was already in a rut, and now she has to close at 5 o'clock because the other store closes in an hour later, and she's losing more business. Right. So, you know, people can't – they can't even sit in the lobby now because after every single person that sits down at one of their tables, they have to – sanitize that table as soon as that person leaves instead of you know whole groups coming in sitting down eating whatever wait until everybody leave or 
most people even than wiping it down. No, they have to wipe it down immediately. Yeah, so it, it creates more of an effect on the employee trying to do more work for less pay in a shorter amount of time. And even now with the restrictions and bans like here where we're at in Alabama, they've actually closed those lobbies and those uh, eating areas. You can't do that anymore. you got to do a drive-through. Uh, you can't go and sit down and have a nice meal. Uh, I know I'm, I'm regretting the end of this week coming up. I've got an anniversary with me and my wife, and I can't even take her out to dinner. So, you know, and that's part of our societal effects. We're natural social creatures, and we can't even interact with other people around us. You know, we've got social distancing. They want us, you know, six feet away from each other. Great. I love screaming at people to try to talk to them, you know, in a public setting. That, that That's really embarrassing. So it's it's nuts. And when you get into the second and third order effects that we're, we're mentioning, you know, as these businesses have to start closing and start laying some of their workers off, now those workers don't have money. If they don't have money, they can't buy the goods at the stores that are open. So now those stores are starting to reduce their income, and they're uh, not able to pay their employees. Now we've got the third-order effect. The next set of employees are being laid off, being cut loose. And eventually this is going to get into our bigger businesses, um, such as our defense contractors and our major industries. So this has really got some things that are going to happen to us that we really don't want to see happen. Um, back on the societal issues, um, you know, we, we, I mentioned that we're social creatures, and we like being close to people. We like talking to people. Uh, even us as military personnel, we, you know, a lot of us come home. We don't like the crowds, things like that. There's obvious reasons for that. But we still like to be around those we love, those we uh, respect, those we have a, a a deep involvement with and that's despite the current millennial norms that are going on where uh, the newer generation coming of our millennials like to be stuck in front of a phone or in front of a computer or things like that um, I see some people that literally will will do a, a, a cast for 40 plus hours playing a video game and I mean it, it's just they don't they don't leave their house ever yeah, but on the flip side of that, though, if you take all this stuff away from them where they can't go out and interact with people, they can't go out and get something to eat, they flip because, they're like I said, we are social creatures. We want to be around people. We want to be able to interact with people. Uh, another thing that's taken a big hit is travel. Uh, with uh, all the travel bans that are in place, you know, especially here within the country, uh, most all your tourist destinations are now closed. And, of course, the infamous spring break season is even being shut down, as well as should be, especially after the, the most current incident in Florida this week where, you know, they interviewed some kids that were out there on the beach knowing dang well they're not supposed to be out there, knowing they're supposed to have social distancing going on, supposed to do the, the sanitary things, and they could care less. Now they're paying the price. Several of them have been quarantined at their dorms because they now have coronavirus. Uh, one young man in particular that stands out said he didn't care. Uh, if I get it, I get it. I don't care. You're not going to stop me from partying. Well, guess what, dude? Now he's been made to publicly apologize for that comment, and he's paying a price for it. And uh, Like I said, we mentioned earlier, you'd done some traveling recently. Mm -hmm. You went out to San Francisco. Yes. Um, how much did you see shut down out there or starting to curtail and shut down? Because we know California's been hit pretty hard uh, along with New York. So what did you see while you were out there? Was there a big impact at that time? or No, there, there really wasn't a big impact at that moment. Um, there, 
really what I saw was a lot of traffic. Uh, that, <laughs> that, was, that was a lot in California. Um, but it really, I didn't see a whole lot of, of difference then as to what I see now. Mm-hmm. People weren't as informed, so to speak. Or uptight about or it. Uptight about it, basically. Right. Um, you know, still a lot of people walking around the you know the streets and everything. And did they seem to be aware of what was going on? Did they did they have a knowledge of the coronavirus at that time? Because I know when you uh, I was aware of the time you went out there, uh, and we were starting to hear about it. Did they seem to be knowledgeable that there was this event going on, or just didn't seem to care? I think they were knowledgeable. I just don't think they were, they really cared about it. Yeah, and wasn't really worried because it hadn't come to our shores yet. Uh, and, and now exactly, it hadn't hit as hard as it's hitting now. So. Right. Okay. Well, and we know, too, that it's going to affect our, our military and national security. And we're actually going to get into that in the next segment. So, Kyle, if you'll hang with me, we'll go ahead and get into our, our next little ad here, and we'll catch you on the other side of it, on the other side of the break. Whether you arrive by land or water, there's no mistaking the beauty and serenity of Ditto Landing. Located on the picturesque Tennessee River at the southern edge of Huntsville, Alabama, this marina is nestled in lush greenery and surrounded by serene mountain foothills. Bass, brim, and catfish are plentiful in the sparkling waters where sailboats and yachts cruise side by side. Along with water recreation, Ditto Landing plays host to many special events throughout the year. Located at 293 Ditto Landing Road Southeast in Huntsville, Alabama, Stop by and see all there is at Ditto Landing, or give Brandy Quick and her folks a call at 256-882-1057, and they'll let you know what's going on in the most beautiful spot in North Alabama. All right, welcome back. And this segment, we're going to get into a little bit of the effect on the military by the coronavirus. Um, and we know that the coronavirus, it threatens U.S. national security. Um uh, and a lot of people are like, well, how in the world does this happen? With our military being focused so heavily on supporting communities and states and the nation uh, with hospital ships and medical tents and trying to get things set up using both active duty and National Guard, um, it, it takes our leaders of the military's focus off, off on what's going on. Uh, and now we've got coronavirus and troops in Afghanistan uh, I think, uh, don't quote me on the number, I think I said we got like five or eight or ten, something like that. I think it's ten uh, troops in Afghanistan have now got the coronavirus. Baffles the shit out of me is how they got it, but it is what it is. We're getting in places we didn't expect. Um, we've also got issues, uh, incidences of it in, in, in Iraq. So this thing is very widespread. When you've got this going on with your military personnel, it takes our military leaders' minds away from uh, what's going on. I know, Kyle, you were a military policeman, um, and that can have some devastating effects for uh, an MP on duty when now he doesn't have the manpower. Uh, what do you think the effect's going to be on the ground? You're going to reduce the manpower, which means yeah, the number yeah, of— You're going to reduce the manpower overseas. You're going to, you know— Yeah, we, we have a lot of things going on yeah. where we, we've got to have these people in place. Uh, we've got to have the combatants on the ground in case of attacks and things like that. And of course, the EMPs man the checkpoints. And if you reduce the number of man, men on that checkpoint, men or women, excuse me, um, we don't have very good checkpoints. We don't have very good security going on at that time. Um, and it gets into our our intelligence even. 
especially when some of our intelligence agents get infected with this. Now we've reduced the the, the amount of SIGINT and HUMINT, which is uh, signals intelligence or human intelligence that we may get because we don't have these intelligence professionals out there. Um, and the military assets are now spread out far and wide all over the place trying to help calm the spread. Uh, it, it's really crazy. Now, I know... Um, with the active duty doing what they can, because they are restricted uh, by the Posse Comitatus Act. You know, a lot of people are talking about you know, martial law and things like that. And we're going to get into that in the next segment using the National Guard and the uh, Posse Comitatus and uh, what our active duty folks can do. Um, but as far as this threat in our national security, it is a big threat to national security because we we can't do all this with a, a major pandemic and still be able to protect everything that's going on when we start drawing off of our national security assets. Um, now, of course, the USS Comfort, or USNS Comfort, and the USNS Mercy, the two hospital ships, we've used those around the world for natural disasters and things of that nature. Now they're being utilized here in the States. Uh, and again, we're drawing off of our military personnel to staff these ships uh, to provide the medical personnel to be able to uh, help the communities that they're going to uh, I'm aware one's going to New York and I think they just relocated one to Los Angeles which has the largest number on the west coast as far as the coronavirus is being uh, indicated so you know here we're, we're drawing off of our our military and that's their job don't get me wrong and we do it proudly uh, as veterans or are active, we do the job proudly. Um, but we're reducing our available manpower out there. Um, and Kyle, what do you think about all this mess? I mean, do you see it having a major impact on the military? I do. Um, you know, if the military, if any personnel from the military gets sick, you know, that, that also cuts into, you know, our security itself. You know, if, if they're coming back and they're they're getting this virus, you know, they... They have to be quarantined. They can't do their their duties. They can't go out and exercise and, and be fit for their duty. And you know, they, it's it, it'll affect it. Yeah, and even with the the social distancing that we're using, that's almost next to impossible to do on a military base. Yeah. Uh, you're so close confined, to close quartered, uh, both living in and work. Um, just on the base uh, where I was recently at uh, Fort Bliss. Everything's right there, close together. And doing the jobs that we did in aviation, you're right on top of each other because you're working on an, an aircraft that it may look large, but when it comes down to working on it, it's really not all that big. You might get a couple of people up there and play space. So you're constantly in contact with each other. And it, so it, all this social distancing, all that, that doesn't, it doesn't work really well for military personnel. But... Now, the hygiene issues is something the military has always been uh, a, a big proponent of. Oh, yeah. You know, the hand sanitizer and the constantly washing your hands, cleaning, because we do a pretty dirty job. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we definitely uh, are used to that, so that's not a problem. But as we go along, like I said, in the next segment, we're going to go get into uh, the activation of the National Guard and the martial law that people are uh, making strange stories about and uh, again we'll get into the Posse Comitatus Act and explain that to people again um, as to how all this will work so hang tight with us me and Kyle will be right back 
And be right back with you right after this break. I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there. These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. It was really the, the little things throughout the house. Counters that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps. I want to help, but he is so determined. At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning. This house has given me my family back. To learn more, visit hfotusa.org. All right, welcome back. We'll get into the third segment here, the National Guard and martial law, facts and the spread of fiction. And we'll get a little more in-depth in the Comitatus Act, which will help us understand why martial law uh, will not be applied. Uh, and this has also been put out by uh, General Langley, uh, the chief of the National Guard Bureau has made it very, very clear, and people just aren't listening, that there will not be martial law. There's not a reason for it. So, now in Baltimore, on, on Friday last week, the, the Maryland National Guard was deployed to the city of Baltimore. Now, a little background on that. The city leaders in Baltimore were upset because people were defying the prohibition of social gathering and uh, non-essential business we were supposed to be closing. And the people just out and out were defying that. Um, while the citizens have not had not yet received a shelter-in-place order, the city was quickly locking down, and a ban on all non-essential travel may not be far behind, which we know now, at this time, that all this has occurred. Now, according to the Baltimore Chief, uh, Police Chief, Melissa Hyatt, it said it's, it's frustrating and short-sighted to see some, some disregarding the safety of their neighbors and risking the spread of COVID-19 for the purpose of socializing. Um, she also stated that we have a duty to enforce the law within the authority that we were granted for the community to understand the magnitude, magnitude of this pandemic. Now, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan has prohibited social gatherings of more than 10 people and also ordered many non-essential businesses to close. Uh, yet many individuals and businesses in the city, despite warnings about the potential health threat posed by the coronavirus, defied the order to self-isolate. Uh, according to Baltimore County Executive Johnny Olszewski, um, these are not recommendations. These are life-saving measures that we will enforce. Um, he went on to say that these measures are necessary because we continue to see selfish and reckless behavior that jeopardizes the health and well-being of our loved ones, friends, and neighbors. Um, they, and a Baltimore police spokeswoman, Vicki uh, Warheim, uh, was telling the local news there, uh, the Sun, the department's been responding to reports of large social gatherings, mostly of teenagers, but also had to shut down some smaller gyms that remained open despite the Governor Hogan's order. Now along comes the presence of military vehicles in the streets of the city. Uh, they were reported on, on Twitter and Facebook and, of course, eventually by the local media. Now, lo and behold, what happens is you have your, your fear mongers and your conspiracy theorists and the whole 
whole nine yards that goes with it. Now, the Maryland National Guard attempted to quell the rumors of a, a coming declaration of martial law, and they stated that to our neighbors, there is not a threat of martial law. Uh, if you see a Maryland National Guard Humvee on your street, know we are helping someone in need, whether it's delivering much-needed supplies or setting up tents for health screening stations. We're out here working for you. Now, um, the the local media had reported that you know the guard was staging as a precaution. Its members are ready to carry out humanitarian missions. Um, the uh, mayor Jack Young of Baltimore stated the guard's deployment helps provide resources we need to support the work being done to keep Baltimore healthy. Uh, he also stated that uh, I'm confident the deployment of the National Guard will help ensure Baltimore City has everything it needs to fully address COVID-19. And he would like to thank Governor Hogan for working closely with them. Um, now, the reason I bring up Baltimore, because it was the most prominent thing last week, uh, over the weekend, where people were hollering, there was martial law. Now, now I'm going to give you the definition of martial law. Uh, this is from the uh, Merriam-Webster uh, Dictionary, and it was a, uh, updated 2020. It says, definition of martial law. The law applied in occupied territories by the military authority of the occupying power. The other definition is the law administered by military forces that is invoked by a government in an emergency when the civilian law enforcement agencies are unable to maintain public order and safety. Now, some of our recent stuff that's shown up on the red on the web, some of the text messages, along with similar posts on Twitter and other social media platforms, compounded the confusion and worry by equating the idea of a government order instructing people what they need to do, and they confuse this thinking there's martial law. Now, sometimes, and of course, it also happens outside of the United States. Some towns in the Lombardy region of Italy are under a form of quarantine and restriction that those residents think of as martial law. That is not the definition of martial law. Okay, our enforce law enforcement agencies have not lost control. They're still able to maintain public order and safety. Um, we just have a few that decides they're not going to pay attention to what's going on and be good citizens. They're going to go out there and defy what is told. Um, these are orders for your health and safety out there. And again, the reason I bring up Baltimore is the first thing that happened. But this has happened across the country. I have, have, I've had people from Plano, Texas, and uh, Dallas, some folks from San Francisco and L.A., uh, New York. This kind of thing is going on across the country where people are thinking, oh, my God, this is martial law. We're going to have problems. Um, you know, on, on Twitter had one individual post on there. Oh my God, Martian law is coming to be more. We must resist this invasion. And another posted on Facebook says, if I see armed national guard on my street, they'll regret it. Now, as of Monday, both uh, posts have been removed, but this is the kind of stupidity and ignorance that is out there uh, that we have to deal with on a daily basis because they're uneducated or they're intentionally stirring hate and fear amongst the citizenry of these cities. Uh, Houston had a similar kind of post from a uh, conspiracy theorist that's known there. You know, yeah, anytime, he's saying that anytime the National Guard is deployed to enforce these rules, it's martial law. No, it's not. We just explained the definition of martial law. Um, we're not an occupying force. This is our country. So, 
unless you're going to cause an insurrection or a rebellion, it's not going to happen. And there's a lot of other things that have to occur before we get into that, uh, before we can declare martial law. Now, things like Katrina, uh, that could have happened. We could have declared martial law at that point in time, but it wasn't because they regained quickly control of the, uh, of the law enforcement capabilities down there. Uh, now we'll get into a little bit about the Posse Comitatus Act, which covers whether or not our military personnel can provide law enforcement or to, you know, if we can bring, what military force can we use to do law enforcement? Now, one big thing about with the Posse Comitatus Act, it puts a very strong restriction on us. Now, the the origins, origins of um, Posse Comitatus uh, dates back a long time ago. Okay, and now I'm using as a reference here a uh, National Defense University paper by Mr. Gerald Manley uh, from back in 2003, and these are still current concerns here now in 2020. Um, but to understand a little bit of what goes on with the coronavirus or with the Posse Comitatus. Um, Black's Law Dictionary defines the term posse comitatus as a power or force of the county. The entire population of county above the age of 15, which a sheriff may summon to his assistance in certain cases, as to aid him in keeping the peace and pursuing and arresting felons. Even though the the word posse may evoke images of the Wild West, the history of posse comitatus dates back to Britain in 871, when it's citizen's duty to the shire to help the sheriff in nabbing criminals and maintaining order. Uh, the sheriff would give the hue and cry, and any citizen who heard it was legally bound to assist the sheriff in bringing criminal to justice. Okay. The use of military force in, uh, use, excuse me, the use of military to enforce civil law in America began, began during the American colonial period. And, of course, we know the duties of one of the British Army and the colonies would serve as a police force. You know, our founding fathers apparently weren't offended by this. Uh, it's a practice they incorporated into the Constitution to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union. Um, prior to the enactment of the uh, Posse Comitatus Act in 1878, the military's involvement in civilian law enforcement was neither illegal nor uncommon. All right. Now, what brought this about uh, to have the Posse Comitatus Act was the disputed 1876 presidential election. At that time, the uh, Republican president, Ulysses S. Grant, directed the Army to guard polling sites throughout the South. Now, remember, this is after uh, about 10 years after the Civil War has ended. Uh, we're still having issues down there with people being able to vote and uh, denial of polling and things of that nature. Um, of course, Rutherford B. Hayes was declared the winner. And then accusations were made that troops sent to the southern states to act as posse comitatus for federal marshals at the polls assisted in providing the president with the essential votes. So in 1878, Southern Democrats controlling House of Representatives responded to the perceived interference of the U.S. Army at southern polling sites by creating the Posse Comitatus Act as a rider to the Army's appropriation bill. The act at that time was to, designed to... Uh, prohibit the use of the army in, in enforcing civil law, except in cases and under such circumstances as such employment of said force may be expressly authorized by the Constitution or by an act of Congress. 
The end result was a material, the military was severely limited in taking a role in civilian law enforcement and security actions within the boundaries of the United States. Now, the current PCA is a slight variation of the original 1878 Act. Whoever, except in cases and under circumstances expressly authorized by the Constitution or Act of Congress, willfully uses any part of the Army or Air Force as a posse comitatus or otherwise to execute the law shall be fined not more than $10,000 or imprisoned not more than two years or both. Now, although the, the Navy and Marine Corps are not included in the Act, they were made subject to it via additional regulation and Department of Defense policy later on. Now, there are some exceptions to this Posse Comitatus Act. Although the PCA expressly applies restrictions, there are five key exceptions. First, it does not apply to the Coast Guard, you know, whose peacetime mission specifically includes the enforcement of civilian maritime laws. Second, National Guard troops, while under the control of state governors, are excluded from the act. Third, upon a presidential declaration of a disaster and a request from a state governor, military forces may be sent on an emergency basis for up to 10 days to preserve life and property. Again, we go back to Katrina. We had that kind of situation there, but they did not uh, enact all that. They had National Guard troops available to do such. Okay. Fourth, pursuant to a presidential power to quell insurrections, whenever the president considers that unlawful obstructions, combinations, or assemblages, or rebellion make it impractical to enforce the laws of the United States in any state or territory by the ordinary course of judicial proceedings, he may use such of the armed forces as he considers necessary to enforce those laws or to suppress the rebellion. So they have specific verbiage and terminology in here that gives him those authorities. Lastly, as the act is a legislative action, it has been repeatedly changed via subsequent legislation to permit a, vi- a variety of exceptions. All right. Uh, this is what the Posse Comitatus Act permits. The PCA permit the military to provide, you know, this is the assistance that the PCA can permit the military to provide in enforcing civil law. Simple answer is the PCA permits the military a passive role in supporting civil law enforcement duties, such as what they do on the border right now. There are also some particular statutory permissions, among which are sharing information concerning violations of the law, loaning equipment and or facilities to support civilian law enforcement to include associated spare parts and supplies, certain training of civilian law enforcement to include training on the use of loaned equipment, operating and maintaining equipment in support of civil law enforcement for detection, monitoring, and communication of air and sea traffic outside of the U.S. borders. Aero reconnaissance and the interception of vessels and aircraft outside the U.S. to communicate with them and direct them to a location designated by civilian law enforcement officials. All right. Many of the specifically permissible actions were enacted in the law post-1982 when the Department of Defense was directed to play a more active role in the U.S. drug war. This easement of the PCA restrictions resulted in an explosion of the use of the military. Uh, as early as 1984, DOD had honored almost 10,000 requests for assistance for civilian law enforcement agencies. Um, and more recently, following the bombing of Oklahoma City Federal Building, 
new terrorism-related easements of the PCA came into effect. Uh, the 97 uh, NDA required the Secretary of Defense to create a program to provide civilian agencies with training and advice on reaction to a crisis involving weapons of mass destruction. And, of course, the military would be the, the SME, the subject matter expert on those, and the go-to for the training. Uh, additionally, your Secretary of Defense was also authorized to provide assistance um, to the civilian law enforcement and equipment uh, relating to the enforcement of the statutes involving biological or chemical weapons of mass destruction in an emergency situation. Okay, which means that we can bring in our, our specialty stuff and help them out. Uh, one final easement is that Title 18, U.S. Code, Section 31, provides that if nuclear material is involved in an emergency, the Secretary of Defense may provide assistance to the Department of Justice, notwithstanding the Posse Comitatus Act. So there are some uh, easements in the restrictions. Now, what it does prohibit... What support does the PCA prohibit the military from providing to civilian law enforcement authorities is very simple. Direct involvement in enforcing civil laws. Specifically, the PCA restrains the military from making arrests, directly participating in search and seizures, or directly participating in the gathering of intelligence for civilian law enforcement purposes, except when needed for the immediate protection of human and life. Um. Now, Kyle, you you were an MP on uh, on an active duty military base, yes. and you had some experience with this. You you couldn't leave the base to perform any civilian. Absolutely not. Um, but you could do things on base. Yes. You explain any, some of that. Any sort of law enforcement was on post. Um, anything felony wise, uh, we did traffic stops and stuff like that. But if we make a felony stop, or if we find out that it's a felony stop, we can. If they, if they run, we can take it off post. But we have to inform the civilian law enforcement that we are coming. And if they want to involve themselves, they can help. But we have to finish that if it's a felony stop and run. Um, if it's just a normal traffic stop and they run, as soon as they leave our gates, we call civilian law enforcement and they take over from there. We cannot perform any other enforcement off post right and the only time you can help out then the civilians if they happen to chase them on to post under if they request your assistance when if they, they get on post our assistance, but <coughs> we have barriers for that pardon we, we have good barriers for that right <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a tendency to be very painful when they do stop them i i would say horrible yeah horrible horrible we actually actually recently we saw uh people trying to get on onto an Air Force post that were stopped by a barrier that didn't turn out too well. No, usually doesn't because those are still ballards and uh, ramps or plates that they run into, so it's really not good. And, and it's a it's a nice stretch of road before you get to the gate, so we, we can see you coming. Yeah, I mean, and they can pick up speed and really make the impact impressive. Worse than Wiley Coyote. It's hilarious. Yeah, it no, really is. I've, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. And, and don't get us wrong, we're not uh, making light of these things. It, it's funny that people are actually that ignorant to try to enter into a military base uh, knowing that these security measures are in place. But uh, And back to our, our original discussion here with the Posse Comitatus Act, the reason I keep addressing this is because people keep bringing this up, especially when they start hollering about martial law and using the military. People, it's not going to happen. We're not having a rebellion. We're not having an insurrection. 
our National Guard troops out there, of course, as we explained, they're exempt from the Posse Comitatus Act as long as they're under the control of the state. Um, the governor is their commander-in-chief. And so that governor can use them to help it, with humanitarian aid, with uh, disaster relief, search and recovery, search and rescue, uh, and in civil law enforcement cases because that's your state militia. Now, caveat to that, the, and you hear New York hollering about this, especially de Blasio in, in New York City, which to me he's just a, a freaking idiot that, that needs to go away. But he's screaming he wants federal troops and he wants the National Guard deployed there and have the president declare you know, federalization of those troops. Okay, he doesn't understand the limitations that he's asking to be placed on these troops when they're brought into New York City. Uh, he needs to understand when you bring National Guard in there under state control, they can do a lot to help with what's going on with this COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, they can provide all kinds of different services and aids under the jurisdiction of the state, under the leadership of Governor Como. So when you start getting these leaders like this, these prominent city leaders and community leaders and state leaders banging their gums and running their heads and saying dumb things, you start getting your conspiracy theorists and the other uninformed and uneducated individuals who have no clue what's going on with this start hollering out and making mass hysteria over the possibility of martial law and the invalidation of the Posse Comitatus Act. So they really need to check themselves, stop getting on TV for, for political. I mean, they politicize this cotton-picking thing. And there's no time for this right now. We're talking about people's health and their lives and their livelihood going going south on us. And they want to play silly games. So we, as individuals, we need to hold these people accountable. And I'll get into that in my closing statements. So, Kyle, you got anything else to add to it? I think that's it. Okay. All right. And we'll be right back with you after the break. We'll get into our closing comments. Uh, Closing thoughts, our history of the day, and our unit of the our history of the week, excuse me, and our unit of the day. So we'll be right back after the break. What do you see in a parade? You see children with their flags, families clapping and laughing. What do you see when he walks by? Do you see his struggle? His path? His fight? Do you see him? When he walks, he walks alone. When he stands, he stands by himself. But he stands knowing the force of the VFW, America's largest organization of combat veterans, has his back. We are the VFW, and no one does more for veterans. All right, welcome back. And last segment of our show here, we get into our uh, This Day in History and our Unit of the Day, and uh, I'll give you my closing thoughts at the end. And we're going to have our guest, Kyle, here give us um, our day in history. What happened this week in history here, Kyle? Well, this week in history, in 1790, Thomas Jefferson actually became the 
first Secretary of State. And in 1794, Congress banned U.S. vessels from supplying slaves to other countries. In 1841, Orlando Jones patented cornstarch, and the very first nursing school was charted. In 1894, for all you hockey fans out there, the very first Stanley Cup was presented to the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association team, the Montreal Hockey Club, for defeating the Ottawa Hockey Club with a score of 3-1. to one. In 1922, British court sentenced Mahatma Gandhi to six years for involvement in protesting the British colonial government in India. In 1929, United States Coast Guard vessel sank Canadian schooner suspected of carrying liquor. The schooner I'm Alone was notorious for smuggling alcohol. One crewman drowned before the Coast Guard could rescue him. The sinking caused an international incident which required international arbitration, resulting in the U.S. issuing an apology and $25,000 to Canada. The I'm Alone, although registered in Canada, was primarily owned by the U.S. citizens. In 1933, FDR makes wine and beer legal with up to 3.2% alcohol level by weight. At the time, it was thought that level would be too low to be intoxicating. In 1960, the first patent for lasers granted Arthur Shalom and Charlo, Charles Towns. In 1982, the Space Shuttle Columbia had its third launch. And that is what we had this week in history. Thanks, Kyle. That was great. There's some interesting points in there. Uh, it's amazing what our history has, and we keep moving on and making more history. And speaking of more history, our unit of the day is actually a naval vessel that uh, is near and dear, like I said in my opening, to a lot of our naval veterans, uh, U.S. Navy veterans. Does anybody out there know what vessel was called the Battle Cat? That was CV-63, the USS Kitty Hawk. It's formerly an SSC-trained New York cargo ship that was commissioned in 1941 as an APV-1 transport and aircraft ferry. At this time, that particular Kitty Hawk was decommissioned in 1946. Then was built the USS Kitty Hawk II, commissioned in April of 1961, <coughs> and nicknamed at that time the Battle Cat. The, air, the, the aircraft, it was a Kitty Hawk class aircraft carrier with a displacement of 61,351 long tons and with a full load, it had 81,000 long tons. Length of about 1,068 feet, with a beam of 282 feet, and a water line of 130 feet. It was propul this propulsion was two Westinghouse uh, geared steam turbines with eight Foster Wheeler steam boilers, four and four shafts. Uh, it had a max speed of th 33 knots. Uh, it was an awesome aircraft. Its awards included the Joint Meritorious Unit Award, the Navy Unit Commendation, six awards, Merit Meritorious Unit Commendation, three awards, the Navy E-Ribbon, two awards, Navy Expeditionary Medal, four awards, National Defense Service Medal, three awards, Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal, 16 awards, Vietnam Service Medal, 17 awards, Southwest Asia Service G, the Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, GWAT Service, Humanitarian Service, Sea Service Deployment Ribbon, 18 awards, 
Navy Marine Corps Overseas Service Medal, 10 awards, and Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross Unit Citation. <clears throat> the USS Kitty Hawk was involved in several operations throughout its history and its life um, to include World War II uh, in, the, in the Pacific Theater. Uh, it was also involved in the Cuban uh, crisis while it was in uh, Yokosuka, Japan. Please forgive me if I mispronounce that. I do not speak Japanese. And January through February of 63, during Picture Windows 3, a multi-threat exercise off northern Japan, the ship experienced her first overflights by Soviet bombers. In 1963, it was dubbed the Floating White House when President John F. Kennedy and his entourage visited the ship overnight for reviewing of the first fleet weapons demonstration. It was also the first carrier group deployed off of Vietnam in April of 1964. It continued its Westpac deployments to Vietnam throughout the 60s and 70s with the last deployment to Vietnam in 1974. And an interesting fact about the Kitty Hawk, a sequence from the Disney movie Lieutenant Robinson Crusoe USN was filmed aboard the Kitty Hawk over a five-day period. And in 66, the ship hosted the world premiere of that movie. Also in 66, the search and rescue Gila crews conducted the daring rescue of two United States Air Force crewmen after the aircraft was shot down, both being extricate, extricated from their predicament within range of enemy shore batteries. And in 91, they participated in Operation Desert Storm. The USS Kitty Hawk uh, has been decommissioned, and it was stricken from the registry in 2017. It was just decommissioned in 2009. So a little bit about the Battle Cat, USS Kitty Hawk. And to all of our Navy, Navy guys out there, keep it above the waterline, guys. All right, and our closing thoughts today. The biggest thing that I can think of and the biggest thing that, that goes on my mind uh, this week and going forward is about the coronavirus and the impact it's going to have on our nation and our families and our indi uh, the individuals that we know and hold dear and close. And I can't stress enough to please follow the CDC guidelines. Uh, these are the experts and the professionals out there. They've been trained and they know how to deal with these things. Granted, this particular virus is unique and mostly unknown to us and unknown to them, but they know how to get the basic basic things put in place to try to protect us you know wash your hands for 20 seconds with a good soap or use a hand sanitizer cover your face if you cough or sneeze um, if you have to uh, granted they say for a healthy person the mask doesn't help but if you're sick and you're coughing and you're sneezing and you're hacking up go ahead and wear the mask just for uh, precaution Pay attention to the warning signs of coronavirus. We've all heard it's a flu-like symptoms with shortness of breath and fever. Get seen by your medical professionals. Call them first. Unless you're so desperately ill that you've got to get into the doctor, call them first and tell them what your symptoms and signs are and see what they have to tell you and see what they can do to help treat that. Um, to those out there that like to hoard things, stop it. You can't use 100 rolls of toilet paper within two to three or four weeks. There are people out there that cannot get to these stores um, that have a hard time, the elderly, the disabled, and even the, the men and women who work every day don't always have a chance to get there. By the time they do, you've been inconsiderate and been an ass 
and taking everything that's in the store shelves. Me, on a personal basis, I've gone at 9 o'clock in the morning to our local Costco, Sam's Club, Walmart, wherever it may be, and people have already been there at 7 o'clock in the morning, please, stripping of toilet paper? Come on. Use common sense. You don't need that much. Uh, same way with hand sanitizer. Use it the proper way. Um, and and with all the bills and stuff coming out, our government is trying their best to do what they can. President Trump is doing what he's knowledgeable in doing, and he's relying on his <clears throat> on his staff around him to advise him. And he's got good people in place to try to control this coronavirus. So, but hold our politicians accountable. You know, we've got bills in the House and in the Senate right now to provide money and aid to the people on the ground, you know, the grassroots, but they're playing games with it. Okay, yeah, I know everybody's going to holler, well, the Republicans did this and the Democrats did this. The biggest problem we've got right now is in the House. You know, Nancy Pelosi there, and like somebody said, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West flew in on her broom and started playing these games with this cotton-picking bill, wanting things for windmills and solar power and Planned Parenthood and uh, stop it. People, whether you're red or blue, left, right, Democrat, Republican, hold your politicians to the fire. Make them get this thing through without all this unassociated fluff and add-ons. This is a time to take care of the U.S. Uh, the U.S. citizens. Uh, if you remember back during the impeachment situation, Pelosi stood the impeachment on Trump not providing aid to the Ukraine. Well, damn, here we got hypocrisy glaring for the U.S. people to see, for the American people to see, as she's withholding aid to her own citizens. So again, I say, hold these people responsible. Make them do what we elected them to do. Always remember, they work for us. We don't work for them. If they can't do their job, vote them out. Get them out of there. I mean, I would love to make that kind of money a year and have it for a long time. But I don't have that opportunity. Most of us don't. So let's hold the ones we put in office responsible up there and make them get this stuff passed through clean. Aid for us. All right. And don't spread rumors and falsehoods. You know, we're not going under martial law. We're not going to be placed in all kinds of strange situations. Yes, some of our liberties are going to be slightly restricted, or some of you may think they're heavily restricted, but they will be restricted because we've got to stop this virus. So hunker down, hold your family close. Do what needs to be done. If your job is telling you you can telework, telework. Be at home. I mean, that's what I'm doing. That's how we're getting this podcast out. I'm not sitting in a fancy studio somewhere in downtown. I'm at home with my family and taking care of them, uh, taking care of my guests and people who come by. That's what we need to be doing. Start acting like the true American citizens we are and what our country stands for. So that's what i have to say for tonight i thank everybody for listening i thank kyle for being a guest and i invite you back kyle i hope you enjoyed yourself oh absolutely that's great and look if you ever anybody ever wants to be a guest on my show or would like to do it and it can be done remotely coronavirus notwithstanding um contact me at vf 
amm2020 at gmail.com or go on our website, viewfrommilitarymind.com. Send me a message and tell me if you'd like to be on the show or even if you have suggestions of what you'd like to hear on our show. By all means, send that to me also. You can also join up our Facebook group and our Facebook page, View From Military Mind. And there we have interactive conversations throughout the whole week. A little point for this coming weekend on Sunday, we will have our next live show, which will be broadcast simultaneously, both as a podcast and live on Facebook through the View from Military Mind Facebook page. Uh, for those of you who follow Dust Off Diaries, it'll also be broadcast on there, and it'll be on my personal Facebook page. So by all means, join us until that time. Be good. God bless. God bless America, and have a good evening. This has been a Valkyrie Productions podcast with your host, Terry Mills, and special guest, Kyle O'Reilly. Copyright 2020 in Huntsville, Alabama. Until next week, God bless America.